All right, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. And it might take me a minute to get there, but we're gonna get, we'll get there eventually. <clears throat> All right, so um, February 14th, hard to believe, half this month's already gone, isn't it? You know, we're a month and a half into 2021. And, uh, you know, I, I will say this, when the Lord... You know, at the beginning of the year, the Lord, as He gives words, as I, as, you know, every year as I pray and ask the Lord for the word for the year, the focus for the year, um, what the Lord is, you know, what the Lord is saying or going to do that year. Um, you know, I always, I always am excited to see how it's going to play out. And, you know, because, because I'm telling you, every year it's never failed. Not that, I mean, and, you know, it's so, it's so incredible when, um, when the word that God gives you, all of a sudden, like because usually, usually I'll start I'll start praying about the next year, like in October, November, end of October, November, something like that, is just to get a you know to kind of get a feel on what God's going to uh, be talking about that year. And then, as the Lord gives you those words, you start seeing that everywhere. You know, for example, like this year, you know, the Lord gave us that phrase that it's going to be a but God year. And and all of a sudden, I started seeing in December and January and even up into February, I, I just see people all over the place. And I know it's not because the Lord gave me that word. It's because He gave them that word too. But I just see I just see people talking about, this has been a but God year. You know, how many times has, has this happened, but God stepped in and did this? And, and how this is, you know, this could have happened, but God said this or God did this. And it just it just encourages us to see how how that uh, a word that he gives one individual person could could you know that he gives it not only to one person but he gives it to people all over the country. I mean that's pretty incredible, you know. And it's just the it's just the flow that the spirit uh, you know is in. And 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 I can say this for Stacy and I, 2021 has been a but God year so far for us in a positive way. Sometimes sometimes people use that as a in a negative way. And say, you know, but it's going to take a but God moment. But, you know, but for us, we've seen God move in things that we've been believing God for a long time. And, and you know, and sometimes, the and I've said this many times here, that sometimes the, the greatest enemy to our faith is time. The longer something takes to see the fulfillment of, the easier it is to, to get off our faith on that thing. You know, and to lose faith kind of. And to be to become discouraged, and there's been some things that Stacy and I've been believing for for ten years, and been speaking for ten years that we've just seen happen within the last week or two. And man, I mean, and I'm telling you, it, it is it is encouraging, and and it is so exciting just to just to see what God is doing, you know, and and to see to see how God is moving in the lives of His people. So this year, as we started talking about this, but God. We've looked throughout. We've looked these these first five or six weeks here in this year about different different uh, instances we see in the Word about but God, and then also we see uh, we've looked at different like the last couple of weeks we've kind of the Lord's kind of taking a turn and and just looking at different things uh, Bible, or Bible subjects kind of like we saw you know two weeks ago about the believer's authority in Ephesians six. And how when you understand the believer's authority, that is definitely a but God moment. And you know, when you under, when you start getting the revelation of your identity and who you are, 
all of a sudden, but God shows up and, and changes everything. You know, uh, last week we talked about the peace of God and how, you know, that peace, uh, and, and we talked about two weeks ago, we talked about having the mind of Christ, and then last week we talked about the peace of God. Well, this week, as I was, stu- as I was praying and asking the Lord uh, about, you know, which direction to go, I just, I heard this word kept rising up in my spirit, and, and, uh, and we're probably going to be on this for a couple weeks but, uh, but I heard the Lord say this. He said, he said, Stephen, he said, I want you to talk about one of the, the biggest but gods that people can have when they get a revelation on this. And I was like, well, what, what is that? You know, and I started thinking and meditating on it. And, and I just, and I, this word just kept coming up. And, and what we're going to talk about for, I know, for at least two, maybe three weeks, we're going to start looking at and digging into the grace of God. This word called grace. You know, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, it's become a popular word, you know. And, and a lot of people have, you know, a lot of people now are known as grace preachers. You know, you hear that term a lot. You hear, I think BJ mentioned this, I can't remember when that I heard you say this, but, but you know, that, that uh, uh, you know, you hear terms like greasy grace or uh, extreme grace or, you know, radical grace and, and all these different words that, that people like attaching to it. But, but I, I, want us to, I want us to step back, and I'm going to present grace maybe a little bit different this morning. It, it's probably, some, some, for some of you, it may not be different, but for some of you, it may be radically different than way, the way you've ever heard grace taught before. And I, and I really and truly believe that if we get a revelation, if we get a true revelation of the grace of God and what grace is, it, it will definitely be one of the biggest but God moments in your life. And, and hopefully we'll be able to, to show you that. Um, Matthew 11, let's go ahead and, and I wasn't going to read this at first, but, but I kind of changed the way, the way we're doing this. Um, let's look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. And I'm just going to read this from the message for the sake of time because I've got quite a bit of scripture I want to I want to turn to and and uh, and this is this is probably is one of my favorite messages or uh, favorite scriptures out of the Message Bible. And in uh, Matthew 11 verse 27, the the Message translation reads it this way: It says, "Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all things." All, those, all these things to do and to say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father-son intimacies and knowledge. Now let's stop right there for a second. What, one, one of the things we're going to do today is this, is that we're, and, 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 I'll, and this is something we need to do with everything, but we're going to go back and we're going to look at what Jesus said and what He did concerning grace. And here, from the message translation, the, 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 you know, he, he, Jesus said this. He said, what you see me doing and what you hear me talking about comes from the intimacies I have with me and the Father. Now, if he had stopped there, we could have said, well, yeah, that's Jesus. That's not me. You know, and Jesus is different than me. But let's go on and read what the rest of that what he said. He said so. He says so. This comes out of the intimacies and the not out of the father son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But now listen to this next phrase. 
But I'm not keeping it to myself. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing. Anybody want to know what Jesus thought about grace? Anybody willing to hear? Jesus said He wanted to go over it line by line to teach us what grace is all about. And how we can apply grace and use grace in our lives. So verse 28, he says this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Notice he didn't say, go to church. Go listen to your favorite preacher. What did Jesus say? Come to Jesus. Why? Because, listen, everything we'll ever need and, and any, any questions we ever have will be answered in Jesus when we come to Him. Now, there's nothing wrong with coming to church and, and listening to your favorite ministers. I mean, that's fine. But, but I think too much of the time we've put too much emphasis on those things and we haven't really come to Jesus. Well, yeah, but I'm a Christian. Well, I didn't say you weren't a Christian. I just said you hadn't come to Jesus lately. Well, how do you know that? I can tell by the way you're living. I can tell by the way you're treating people. Because you know what? When you come to Jesus, your life changes. You don't stay the same. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Now listen to what he says. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Wow. Anybody want a real rest? <laughs> Amen. He said, I'll, take, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. There's a rhythm to grace. There's a flow to grace. There's, there's a way that you can get in the rhythm and the flow of grace and things just, man, things just flow. It's easy. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. Let's talk about grace for a minute. What is grace? You know, the, the, the one definition everybody hears and when you, when you talk about grace, and it's a, I mean, it is a correct definition, is, you know, when you, when you hear the word grace, everybody, the first response is usually unmerited favor. And that, and that is the true thing because, because unmerited means undeserved. You're right. Grace is something that we didn't deserve grace. You didn't do anything to earn grace. He just pours grace out on you. Now, one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, definitions that I've ever heard about grace, or definition of grace that I've heard, is, is this. And, and this, this comes from Jim Richards. He, he's a minister I listen to a lot. But, but his definition of grace is this. His one-word definition of grace is ability. But he takes it a step further and he says this, that grace is God's ability. Now, it's important that you catch these words. 
Grace is God's ability working in man. Remember what Jesus said here in Matthew 11? He says, he says uh, walk with me and work with me. Grace is God's ability working in man, making him able to do what he cannot do in his own ability. Let me say that again. Grace is God's ability, and I'll make it personal for us, grace is God's ability working in you, enabling you to do what you couldn't do in your own ability. Because you see, here's the, here's, the, here's the problem we run into. And probably every, every person in here um, has, has run into this. Man has never been able to change his nature by himself. How many of us, don't, don't raise your hand to this, but it would be every hand in here, I'm sure. But how many of us have made this statement in some form or another, you know, we mess up, we, we, we fall back into a pattern of sin or, or missing the mark, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like. And then we say, well, I'm going to try to do better. I'm, I'm not going to do that again. If I, have, if, I, you know, if I die trying, I'll never do that again. The problem with all those statements is this. I. I am going to do this. I am not going to do that. And if I could have fixed it to begin with, we never would have needed Jesus. Um, Jeremiah says this. This is an interesting scripture. Jeremiah 13.23. Jeremiah 13.23 says this. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or can the leopard change his spots? then may you also do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Just like you and I can't control what color skin we have or, or an animal can control what spots he has on him. Jeremiah said this, he said, just like that, do you think you can, that you can decide in your own power whether you're going to do good or evil? Consistently now. I mean, because listen, we all make choices every day, right? We make those choices every day. But what he's saying is this, just like, just like you can't control certain things, you're, the, the nature that you were born with was a sin nature. Because of, because, of the, because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, the Bible tells us that, that we were every one of us were born spiritually dead, separated from God. At salvation, when we, when we invite Him to become our Savior and our Lord, at salvation, the Bible tells us that, that, he, that, that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, that we become a brand new creation, old things are passed away, all things become new. At that moment, grace enters into your life. Remember the definition of grace. What was it? God's ability on the inside of you enabling you to do what you couldn't do in your own ability. When we get, you know, and, and, and we've probably all been in this situation. We get born again, and uh, everything's going great, man. We get a few prayers answered. We're feeling like we're on top of the world. You know, it seems like everything's going wonderful. But then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, and for whatever the, the situation may, 
the, we fall back into some of those patterns that we were in before we got born again. Then all of a sudden it seemed like our prayers stopped getting answered. We lose the joy of reading the Bible. Prayer seems like a chore instead of a pleasure. We, we go to our pastor, we go to, our, to the church leaders, to the people we respect sometimes, and, and what is their response? Well, brother, you just got to pray more. Uh, you just got to get in the Word more. You know, you got to you got to do, do, do. You got to you got to do more. You got to work harder. The devil doesn't take a day off. You can't either. You got to work twice as hard as him. But see, the problem with here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that it takes us to a works mentality, and it disqualifies us from grace. And the church has done that, not necessarily talking about this church, but the church in general has done that to millions and millions of new believers. We have turned them around and we've said, now that, now that you received a gift from God by faith, now you've got to work hard to get it to work for you. Paul said, Paul said, he, and, and I mentioned this you know, earlier, Paul said, you know, how did you receive salvation? You received it by faith. He said, now you think you're going to earn something else by works? You know, Paul said, it doesn't work that way. If you received it by faith, then you receive everything by faith. Listen, Romans 6.14 says this. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. I could ask for a show of hands again, but I won't do that. But, but if I ask this question, how many, how many of us have lived during a period after we got born again where sin had dominion over us? We couldn't seem to stop and get out of that sin as hard as we tried. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the story of most Christians is that that you know, I can't I can't get past this sin. I can't stop doing this. I guess I'll just have to live with it the rest of my life. I've heard people say it. I've seen people cry, tears running down their cheeks saying saying I guess I'll just I guess this is just my lot in life. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that's God's best for us? Turn, turn with me to John chapter 1. Let me show you this. John chapter 1. See, because here's the problem. Here's the issue, I guess. The difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant, what was the Old Covenant about? The Old Covenant was about keeping the law. Right? We read it throughout the Old Testament. It was all about the law. It was all about, you know, keeping the law, doing the right things. You know, and, and then we, we understand, because we, we've got the whole, the whole, we've got the New Covenant now and the Old Covenant, but we understand from our reading that if you tried to keep the law and you broke the law in one area, 
You're guilty of the whole law. And, you know, and, and so sometimes we look at the law as being bad. But you know what? The law is not bad. Did you know that? Do you realize the Ten Commandments are actually pretty good? You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not covet, covet something your neighbor has. You don't have a, a, any other gods before God. I mean, listen, those things are good things. But you realize if you try to do those things in your own ability, you will fail. You might not, you might not, you might not miss the mark on all of them, but you will miss the mark. Because you, you were not designed to do it in your own ability. That was the problem with the law. As a matter of fact, um, I'll just read the scripture, but but in uh, I think it's Romans uh, Romans eight, and we're going to turn to Romans eight in a minute. But Romans eight says this: it says that the 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 weakness of the law was the flesh. Now think about that: the weakness of the law was the flesh. What did that mean? That meant that the 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 very thing that the reason that you couldn't keep the law was because you in your ability it was impossible. But thank God that Jesus gave us a way and showed us a way to where it's now not impossible. Because we're not limited to our own ability. Now you and I have this thing called grace, which is God's ability working in us to do what we couldn't do in our own ability. Now let's look at a couple of scriptures and let me, let me show you this. John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, And the Word became flesh, this is talking about Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, now listen to what it says, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. So when Jesus came, you see, because when, when, when the people of the Old Covenant, when they had the law, all they had was the truth. The law was truth. God gave the law. The law was not bad. It was just the school... The, the New Testament tells us that law was our schoolmaster. The law was there to teach us and to show us that we needed a Savior. Right? So they had the truth. The problem was they couldn't keep the truth in their own ability. When Jesus came, the Bible tells us here in, in verse 14, the Bible tells us that when He came, He not only came with truth, but He came, he came with grace and truth. So, and, and we'll see this in just a moment as, as we look at some other Scriptures. But what we see is this, that not only did Jesus come with the truth, but now He came with the ability to be able to live the truth. What was that ability? It was grace. Let's, let's go on a little bit further. Look at verse uh, 16. Or verse 15. We'll just, it says, verse 14 says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, 
He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 16 says this, And of his fullness we have all received, and grace to grace. Verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now let's look at verse 16 from the Amplified. Verse 16 from the Amplified says this, and this is good, you got, you got your shouting clothes on? Because this, this is an incredible scripture. Verse 16 says this, For out of His fullness, abundance, we have all received, we, have, we all had a share, and we were, we were all supplied with one grace after another, and a spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. When, I, when we received the offer and I talked about how God was a prosperous God, He did things over and above. Does this sound like that's over and above? Let's read that again. He says, he says For out of, the abund- or out of His fullness, out of the abundance of Jesus, we, you and I, we have all received, we all have a share, and we are all supplied with one grace after another. Now, let's, just for the sake of this, let's replace that with ability. We have all been supplied with one ability after another ability. When you, face, when, you, when you come up against a problem, then God supplies you the ability to take care of that problem. One ability stacked up on another ability. In other words, it's not just one thing. It's not just a one-time supply. What it says is that, that he, he supplies you with ability after ability after ability. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. Favor, heaped, get heaped, heaped up one upon another. He just keeps pouring it on. Why? For sin shall not have dominion over you. For we're not under the law trying to keep it in our own ability, but we're under grace... We have God's ability working in us so that sin no longer can have dominion over us. Come on, connect the dots, right? Look at Romans chapter 8. Now, I'm just I'm presenting to you one aspect of grace, okay? This is incredible. I mean, to me, this, this, this is a huge but-God moment when you realize and you start understanding that, that the problem that we have faced for so long and the reason why we seem to, to miss it so much and fail miserably so much in our Christian life is because we try to do things in our own ability and we don't work with God and allow His ability in us to, to flow through us. When you try to do it in your ability... Man, you're going you're gonna to make a mess out of it. But when, when you work with God, when you take that walk with God and you work with Him, all of a sudden there's an ability on the inside of you that you didn't have until God showed up. You were doing your ability, but God showed up and now you have His ability. That would be the difference between me playing basketball with my ability and somehow supernaturally Michael Jordan's body jumped inside mine or I jumped inside his body. And all of a sudden, I had His ability. 
they're two different levels. Not even comparable. That's what happened to you. You were down here, but then all of a sudden God's ability jumped in you, and now you're up here. Now listen, as we read Romans 8, I want to, I want to exchange some words here, and, and, you, and, and, and I, this might help you understand this. When we see the word flesh, in Paul's writings, uh, a lot of times when we see the word flesh, we just think, we just think a natural body. You know, you see the word flesh in there and you just think, you know, well, he's talking about natural, you know, just this body that we're in. But I want you to exchange, for, so as we read this, I want to exchange two different words. When we see the word flesh, we're going to put in my ability. And when we read the word grace, we're going to put in God's ability working in me. You see the difference? Flesh is my, when I'm in the flesh, I'm trying to do it in my ability. When grace is working, I'm letting God's ability that's working in me, allowing me to do something that I couldn't do in my ability. I'm, and, and, and it's the same thing when he says, walk in the Spirit. What are we doing? We're allowing the power that's on the inside of us, the grace of God, the Spirit of God, to, to operate and to flow in His ability through our lives. Romans 8 here, for the first couple of verses, pictures this perfect. So let's read this, and, and we'll substitute those words. Uh, you know, we'll take the liberty to do that. So, so Romans chapter 8, he says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to their own ability, but according to the Spirit, or we could say according to God's ability. Because His Spirit, His power is working in, in, in us. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now look at verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through my ability. The law was weak because I could, in my ability I couldn't keep the law. The law was good, but I couldn't keep it. And you know what? If, if you couldn't keep a law, then that law is not going to be good for you. <laughs> right? Because there's punishment when you break the law. Right? That's, listen, that's the reason that the law in the Old Testament, that, that's the reason if you, broke one, if you broke one thing of the Old Testament, you were guilty of the whole law. So here he says, he says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak because of my, my ability not being able to keep it, God did it, or we could, we could even say, but God showed up. God did it by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, or He condemned sin when we try to do it in our own ability. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to our ability, but according to the ability of the Spirit. For those... Now listen, now this is, this is good here. For those who live according to their own ability, to the flesh, trying to do it in your own power, your own strength. For those who live according to their own ability, they set their minds on the things of their own ability. 
That's the reason you hear people say, I can't do that. I've tried and it doesn't work. Well, why doesn't it work? Because I can't do that. I hear Jim Hockaday saying that. <laughs> I can't do that. You know, and, and just why? Because, because in my own ability, I can't keep the law. But those who live according to the Spirit or His ability... The things of the Spirit. Let's, now, let's read. For those who live according to the flesh, their ability set their minds only on what they can do or can't do. But if you set your minds, those who live according to the Spirit or the ability in us, then all of a sudden we set our minds on what His ability will do and can do. Now he goes on to say this. Listen. For to be carnally minded is death. That word carnal is is Another word that we could say flesh, so you can put it this way. To think about only what you could do will lead you to death. But when you think about what He can do, His ability, it leads to life and peace. Because the carnal mind, the flesh mind, the, the out, you know, trying to think if you can do it in your own ability, it's enmity against God. Why is it enmity against God? Because when you think you can do it, what you're saying is you don't need Jesus. You didn't, I don't need Him to go to the cross for me because I can do this. That's going to lead down a path you don't want to go. That's why when we think we can do it, it sets us, it sets us up against God. Because see, He provided the way for all of us to be able to overcome things, and it's through His ability, not ours. So to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is neither subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Look at verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh, those, those who try to do things in your own ability, you cannot please God. That's pretty straightforward. The Amplified in verse 8 says, So then those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and the impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to Him. Well, we, we, you know, boy, that puts us, you know, I, I can hear, I can hear mine. Well, I, man, I, I guess I'm in trouble then. Yeah, I think about that all the time. You know, I, I mean, I can't, you know, man, I, I'm always trying to figure out how to do things in my own strength. <clears throat> Look at verse 9. I'm glad, you know, I'm so glad God puts the next verse in there. Because if he stopped at verse 8, we would all be saying, well, we're all in trouble. Right? But verse 9 says this. Paul said this to the church at Rome. He said, but you are not in the flesh. In other words, you're not limited to just your ability. Yeah. Now listen to that. You don't have to do it in your ability. But in the Spirit. In other words, I'll reword that. You don't have to do it in your ability because now you have His ability. Yeah. Quit trying to do it without God. If indeed 
the Spirit of God dwells in you. He says, so, so you are not in the flesh, you're not limited to your ability, but, you're, but you have His ability if indeed His ability dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the ability of God in them, he is not His. But look at verse 10. And if Christ is in you, and we can say again there, if Christ is in us, then, then it would be no damage to the Scripture to say, if His ability is in us, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. We do not have to let sin rule over us because we're not under the law, limited to our own abilities. We now have God's ability working in us so that we have the power to say no to the temptations of sin. You understand, when Jesus came, we say this a lot, Jesus came and He laid down His attributes as God, and everything He did on the earth, He did as a man. And the reason that's important is because the Bible says that He was our example. And, and if, he, if, if He did the things He did as God, then we're all in trouble. But remember, if you go back to John 1, what did, what did it say Jesus brought? When Jesus came, He brought grace, God's ability, and... He had the truth. So what when, when we look at Jesus' life, what we see is this. We see a man with like passions like you and I. The Bible says he was tempted in every area just like you and I are tempted. Now listen, I've heard people say, I mean, there's whole groups that say that Jesus couldn't have sinned even if he wanted to. You know, because he was God. And, and you know, but the problem I have with that is this. If he couldn't have sinned, then he wouldn't have had a temptation. Because if, if there's not a temptation, then there's then you know then you there, there's no choice to be made. In other words, um, I, I was trying to think of a good example last night for this, and I, I'll put it this way: if you tempt me, if you try to tempt me with pumpkin pie, there's no temptation because I don't like pumpkin pie. I can't stand the taste of it. So you know what? You can make as many pumpkin pies as you want to. You can put them all around me. You can surround me with pumpkin pies. And you know what? I will never be tempted to taste a pumpkin pie. Because I don't like it. And I don't want one. So it's no temptation. But now, you put banana pudding, or red velvet cake, or cherry yum yum, sweet tea, oh my goodness, in front of me, then you know what? I mean, I'll be tempted. And I would be tempted to reach up there and grab that big glass of iced tea and drink it instead of water. Knowing that that, that iced tea is not good for me because it's full of sugar. Right? And see, that's a temptation for me. If, I, if, if Jesus never had a temptation, then He wouldn't be able to say that He was tempted like you and I were. He was tempted in every area that you and I were, are tempted in. But here's, the, here's how He got through. Because a lot of times we say, yeah, but He was God and that's the reason He never sinned. No. The reason He never sinned was because He allowed God's ability that was in Him 
to work and to be able to say no to those temptations. He had to say no just like you and I do. He could have given in at any moment. But here's the thing. He didn't. And He's our example. And the, the way He did it, like I said, we want to go back and see how He did it. The way He did it was He was a man full of the ability of God. And He allowed that ability, that ability of God to flow through His life doing what He couldn't do with His own ability. You see this in the garden at, at, near the end of His death, right? Where, where He cries out and He says, God, not my will, but Your will be done. What does that tell us? Jesus had His own will. He was saying, I, you know, in the flesh, I really don't want to do this. But He said, but you know what? Your ability on the inside of me is greater than my desires. So therefore, I'm submitting to your ability, not mine. Let me look at this Scripture and see if I need to read this here. Thank you, Lord. So, so does that help you seeing the putting in there about your ability versus God's ability? You know, and about, about seeing that, maybe seeing grace from maybe a different view? Yeah, look at look. This is the scripture I was talking about. Look at uh, Hebrews four verse fifteen. I just didn't write down the reference. I couldn't remember what that scripture was, but this is exactly what I just said. Hebrews four fifteen and sixteen. Hebrews four uh, fifteen. He says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So see, Jesus was tempted in every area that you and I have ever been tempted in. Yet He did it without sin. How could He do it? How, how did Jesus do that? He did it because He had grace. How can you and I do it? We have grace. Well, Pastor, you don't know how hard it is. Look at verse 16. I'm glad you said that. Verse 16. Now, now, now get the context of verse 15. He says, We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but in all points he was tempted just as we are, yet he didn't sin, yet he was without sin. Verse 16. Paul goes on to say this, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Why would we come boldly to the throne of grace? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can find mercy and we can also find the ability of God to help us when we need it the most. Man, I'm being tempted to sin. Run to the throne. Run to the throne of ability and ask for God's ability to help you overcome that. Because when you go to Him, when you walk with Him, when you work with Him, what happens? He'll show you how to do it. He'll say, here's the grace. Here's, the ability. here's my ability to overcome this. Wow. Wow. Now, let's go back to, to Matthew chapter 11. 
And I want to read this one last time as we finish up this morning. Now, with all that being said, let's read verse 28 and 29 again, Matthew 11. Guys, listen. He didn't leave us by ourselves to try to do the best we could do. He enabled us. He gave us His grace. And you might say, well, boy, I need some of that grace. We just read how to get it. You go boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus has faced that same temptation. That same thing you're going through. The same, the same obstacle you're trying to get over. The same mountain you're trying to move. Jesus has faced that. And He did it without giving in to it. So we run to Him and say, Help! <laughs> Why? Because He's been there. And since He's been there, He can say, here's, here's my ability. Here's how I did this. Here's how I got through this. So in, in the message translation again, verse 28 and 29, remember, verse 27 just says, you know, the intimacies, and, and this comes from father-son relationship, and Jesus is going to tell us all about it. Verse 28 and 29 again, with those things in mind, He says this, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to Me. Get away with Me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with Me and work with Me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of God's ability working in you to do what you can't do in your own ability. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I heard this one time and this is so true and we may, we'll, we'll look at this probably before we finished up with this series but you know how you know how you can tell when you when you the Bible says don't frustrate the grace of God. You know how you can tell if you frustrated the grace of God? You're frustrated. Because if you're frustrated, grace is not working. If you're tired of trying to do the things of God, you're doing it in your own ability. If you're burnt out, thinking that you've tried that way too many times and it's never worked and you've got to find another way to work, then you're not doing it in the grace of God. Come on. If, if, things, if things are heavy, that burden's heavy on you, and you just don't know, you, you just, you know, man, it's just so heavy and, and you don't know if you can make it another step, you're not, you're not walking in the grace of God. Because Jesus said, now we, we read it from the, from the message, but in the King James, Jesus said this. He said, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So if, 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 if it's anything, if, if the yoke you're carrying is heavy and your burden is heavy, then I encourage you, get away with Jesus. Because, because you're trying to do it in your own strength and in your own ability. If things aren't working out, if, if things seem just like a, a burden and hard and, and you know, a struggle all the time, 
I encourage you to come to Jesus. I'm not talking about in a salvation way. I mean, you may need to. You may need to be born again. You may never, never have had a relationship with Him. But listen, way too, many, way too much of the time, we tend to, we tend to uh, get off into our own ability trying to do things in our own strength and our own ability instead of allowing God's ability to work through us. And it's something that we, that guys, it's something we have to, we have to make sure, we have to make sure that we are, that we are, uh, that we keep our minds focused on His ability, not our ability. Now listen, you can go through Scripture after Scripture where it talks about flesh and spirit or flesh and grace, and you can see all kinds of different things in there about God's ability and, and your ability. His ability is much better. So now, hopefully you can see and you can understand why I said that, that the grace of God is probably one of the biggest but God moments in your life when you get a revelation of it. Because you go from your ability to His ability. You go from, you go from a, a, you know, from somebody that, that has no ability to somebody who has the, most, the best ability and can get over and can get through anything. I choose Him. Amen. I choose to let His ability work in me. So we'll look at, we'll look at some more aspects of grace uh, next week and, and talk some more about that. But, but I, I ho- hopefully, hopefully you can see, maybe you saw grace in a different way today. Maybe you saw it different. Maybe uh, I'm, I, that was my prayer, that you, would, that, that you would have seen it in a different light. And, and yes, it's unmerited favor, but, but grace is also the ability of God. Working in us, doing what I couldn't do, Amen. And that, and listen, we all have that grace. If you're born again, if you have a relationship with Jesus, that grace is on the inside of you. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to go searching for it, wondering if God's going to give it to you. The scripture we read there in uh, John one, he says says he he gave grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing, gift upon gift, favor upon favor, heaped heaped on. Not just a little bit, but heaps of it. Amen. That's good news. That's gospel. The good news. Amen. Well, let me pray for you.